Three Strands is growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Jesus. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, visit us at threestrands.church. Dave's already introduced this series, kind of where we're going, and the truth is, usually when we do a series, it is one big long sermon uh, broken down into several chunks. But the truth is, this one's really not like that. This is three separate sermons that we're going to be talking about with this overarching theme about truth and grace, uh, balancing act. So um, that's where we're going the next three weeks. So I was off two weeks uh, with COVID, and I was, went back and listened to the two podcasts that I'd miss uh, from Dave's series, Dear Jesus. Uh, and the, one, the second week, I was listening to the sermon entitled, No Contenders, and in that 45-minute introduction that Dave gave, he was going over, what? Oh, is that exaggeration? My bad. In that 30-minute introduction that Dave gave, um, he was going over Kyle Eidelman's conversation with his kids about the Ten Commandments. And, and then he began teaching about how we've all broken those Ten Commandments. And I started thinking, man, he's going to have to hurry up and get through this because uh, a little quicker because I'm starting to feel a little convicted over here. And if you were here during that week, too, I don't know if you felt that way or not, but anytime we look at what I call God's top ten list, those ten commandments, um, they do make us feel a little guilty, don't they? Um, Because we realize that in one way or another that we have broken just about every one of them. We haven't always put God first or worshipped Him correctly, have we? Um, We've sometimes slipped up and misused His name, and we've not rested one day out of seven some weeks, right, if we're just being honest. And at times we've been disrespectful to our parents even, right? Uh, did Merle just say amen? Where's he at? I think, I think I heard Merle say amen. He's not even in here. Oh, there you go. Okay, you said amen. I heard you. Um, and listen, we've even murdered people by our anger and harboring hatred in our hearts. Matthew 5, uh, 21 and 22 tell us. We've told lies and we've not been content with what God has given us. And so we probably all felt a little convicted that Sunday, week two of that series. But in Romans 3.20, Paul writes that that's actually one of the main purposes of the law. He writes this, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us, what, how sinful that we are. God gave us the law kind of as a mirror to to reflect the dirt that's inside of us. And so we would recognize how sinful that we are and that the truth is we need to be cleaned up. The, The law was given so that we would feel guilty and realize that, hey, we need a Savior, right? But listen, once we've studied the law, there's another side to this balancing act that we're talking about these three weeks. Our mission statement here at Three Strands Church is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience what? The truth and grace of Jesus. So not only do we need the truth, but once we've studied the law, um, we're more prepared to appreciate the other side of the spectrum, and that's God's grace. Look at John 1, verse 17. And I think Dave just mentioned this in his, in, during the announcements. He was trying to preach a mini-sermon with my scripture here. It said, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through who? Jesus Christ. 
And so the good news of the gospel is that we're not saved by following the Ten Commandments. Thank God. We want to follow them, but that's not how we're saved because we kept the law perfectly. Okay? We are saved by completely trusting in the grace of our Lord Jesus. And once we understand that truth, we can then receive forgiveness and we can live in joyful, confident obedience. That's how we want to live our lives. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at how Jesus responded to a few different people in the scriptures who were in desperate need of God's grace. But, you know, as Dave and I were uh, talking there, to be honest, you know, we struggle. We struggle sometimes with balancing act, uh, this balancing act, even leading our own church as God leads us. I mean, there are situations that come up from time to time where it is sometimes very difficult to know that balance between truth and grace and how you respond. And, and we as leaders wrestle with that. And we beg for God to show us where the middle ground is. God, how do we respond to this? Where's the middle ground between truth and grace? Well, today's story comes from Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 through 50. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you want to follow with the verses on the screen, you can do that. Or if you have a Bible app. But it's about a sinful woman who came to Jesus for forgiveness. So let's jump right in. Look at verse 36. Verse 36 tells us that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. You know, in that day and time when an important teacher was a guest in someone's house, they would leave the front door open. And so anybody that wanted to come and listen to the conversation, they could just walk right in. The visitor was to keep quiet, but they were welcome to come and check things out and observe. It was kind of like a tribute to the host to have other people come in and, and hover around, you know. It meant that they had someone very, very important in their house. Look at verse 37. When a certain immoral woman, here we go, from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, those of you who are familiar with the Bible, please don't confuse this incident with Mary the sister of Lazarus, who later on anointed Jesus' feet with an alabaster jar of perfume. Two different stories here. Verse 38. It says, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Try to picture this in your head, okay? Her, her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this woman other than that she was sinful, the Bible says. Many Bible students conclude that she was probably a prostitute, but maybe she had some other character flaw or some sort of addiction. I don't know. But everyone in town knew about her. We do know that. She had a bad, bad reputation. However, she was also a seeker. And when she learned that Jesus was eating at the house of this guy named Simon, this Pharisee, she went to where Jesus was. And you know, the truth is that most people who are trapped in some sort of sinful behavior, the truth is they want to be free. Deep down, they want to do right. They, they, they promise themselves, I'm not going to be like this for the rest of my life. I'm better than this. This is not who I really am, down deep. You know, when I have kids, I don't want them to be exposed to this kind of stuff. I'm going to change someday. Ever felt like that? 
Well, this woman knew that Jesus was calling people to a better way of life. And deep down in her soul, she wanted that. She really did. So she went to where Jesus was. She was also a woman who was willing to repent. You know, there's an old Turkish proverb that says, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. Doesn't matter how far you are. I've been living like this for it doesn't matter. No matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. Doesn't matter if you're 80, 90, been living this way for 30, 40 years, doesn't matter. Turn back. This woman was determined to turn back. Maybe she'd heard about Jesus teach before. Maybe she'd heard him teach and just loved his compassion, how he cared for people. Maybe she knew that he was a friend to the lonely, and she was lonely. Just being in the presence of Jesus that day, it convicted her of her own sin, and she began to cry tears of repentance. You know, some people don't cry real tears. They cry cry saline crocodile tears, right? But then there are other people who, when they cry, they, they just cry tears, you know, just pour out of their eyes, runs down their cheeks and, and drips on the floor. Well, this woman's tears dripped on Jesus' feet. Now, I want you to keep in mind here that during this time period, when, when they reclined at a table, it wasn't like you and I eat at our kitchen table today. No, back in this day and time, uh, they reclined, lay down, kind of their feet would be behind them. And when the tears began to drop on Jesus' feet, this woman instinctively tried to to cover him up, tried to cover up her blunder by drying his feet with her hair. But in that day and time, it was considered immodest for a woman to appear in public with loose hair, for hair wasn't put up. But this woman was so impulsive, she was so expressive, that when her tears soaked Jesus' feet, she, she tried to dry them with her hair. And then... She spontaneously kissed Jesus' feet, and then she poured perfume on them. You know what? Reading this story, I just really like the way Jesus responded. I'll be honest with you. I I get a little uncomfortable around people who are like melodramatic or overly emotional. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I was in a prayer meeting one time with some Pentecostal uh, people, and they asked me to pray out loud, and I did. And, and when I started praying, they, they just shouted out stuff right in the, the middle of the prayer. You know, things like, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, let it be while I was praying. And I was just, I just tried to stay focused. But now listen, I like expressive people. I'm not picking on anybody. But since it's not really in my nature to display a ton of emotion, I sometimes withdraw from charismatic people. And as a result, I make them feel uncomfortable. I'm not trying to. I just do, you know. But when this woman cried and she poured oil and kissed Jesus' feet, you know what he responded with? He didn't make them feel uncomfortable like I do sometimes. He responded with grace and kindness and gentleness. He encouraged her by saying, man, she loves a lot. She's performed an A-OK, an act of kindness. She knows how to express appreciation. But Simon... Pharisee, he was humiliated by all this. He didn't like it at all. Look at verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He was disgusted. He said, she's a sinner. Now, 
Keep in mind that when a man took a vow to become a Pharisee, he promised to obey every letter of the law. I mean, his entire life was devoted not just to keeping the Ten Commandments, but the entire Old Testament. And although the Pharisees were outwardly good people, they usually had this self-reliant, arrogant, and judgmental attitude within them. You know, six times in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus called them hypocrites. And he was angry when he said it. He called them out. They didn't know how to truly love because they were so busy trying to keep the rules. Remember, it was those Pharisees who brought the woman caught in the act of adultery. Remember that story in the Bible? They brought her to Jesus' feet and said that she should be stoned, killed right there in front of everybody in public. They didn't care about exploiting her, right? Using her for their, their good. They, they had no grace, no compassion. You know, I read a quote this week that said, God prefers a loving sinner to a loveless saint. God prefers a loving sinner to a loveless saint. Simon was acting like a loveless saint who had a degrading attitude towards this sinful woman. And he just mumbled underneath his breath. You know, if Jesus really were from God, he wouldn't even let her touch him, you know. He'd rebuke her. This is ridiculous, all right? But Jesus responded, and here it is, what our series is about, with truth and grace. That there is a balancing act that takes place here that I want us to learn in this series so we can apply it to our own lives, to be more like Jesus in this area and not fall all on one side or the other, but to be in the middle and balance it. Look at verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. So Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I've got something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. Simon, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So you know what he did, Simon? He kindly forgave them both. Just canceled their debts. Hey, Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? It's the story Jesus told him and asked the question. And what's amazing is Jesus not only knew this woman's reputation, but Jesus knew what Simon was even thinking, right? That, that's amazing. He, and guys, listen, he knows what's in your heart right now sitting there this morning. He knows what's in our hearts and what we're thinking. And he knew that while this woman was guilty of sins of the flesh, that Simon was guilty of sins of the Spirit. Jesus knew that both sides were spiritually bankrupt, that neither of them were capable of paying back the debt they owed for their sins. And please hear me this morning. The difference was not in the amount of sin that they had. The difference was in the awareness of their sin, right? It wasn't in the amount of sin. It was in the awareness of their sin. And so Simon answered Jesus in verse 43, and he said this. He said, well, Jesus, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt for her. And Jesus said, that's right. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. You know, when I entered your house, when I got here, you, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You know, back in this day and time, the host would greet guests with three acts of kindness. They'd give the person a kiss of peace. They would wash their feet from the dusty road that they had just traveled. And then they would drop some perfume on the guest's head. That's just what they did. Today, it would, it would kind of be like us, you know, shaking their hand, taking their jacket, offering them something to drink, you know. Well, Simon didn't do any of those three for Jesus. He, he may have thought that, you know, Jesus is fortunate to be a guest in my house because I'm a Pharisee. I'm important. Or maybe he invited some of his Pharisee friends over to try and trap Jesus. They tried to do that often. But here it is. Jesus was full of truth and grace. Jesus didn't storm out of the room, you know, uh, because Simon was rude. He didn't sit over in the corner and pout, you know, like some people do. He just reclined at the table and he ate. But when Simon shows disgust for this woman and questions Jesus' authenticity, Jesus responds truthfully with truth. Look at verse 45. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Simon, her sins, and there's a bunch of them. He said, there's many. They've been forgiven. She has shown me much love. But please don't miss this. A person who is forgiven little, they only show a little bit of love. Have you ever noticed that the people who begin following Jesus, who have a really kind of colorful, sinful past, it seems like they're more thankful for grace than even those who have grown up in church and never realized the depth of their sin. See it all the time. Look at verse 48. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins, just imagine being or hearing this from the Lord, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith is what saved you. Go in peace, he told her. Listen, Simon saw a prostitute who was bothering Jesus. But you know what Jesus saw? He just saw a person in need. Isn't that wonderful about him? I love reading stories of how Jesus responds to sinners with truth and grace. Wouldn't you like to have balance like that in your life? And I'll just be honest, I'm still working on it. I'm working on being more centered when it comes to this balancing act between truth and grace. I've always told myself, if you're going to err on one side or the other, make sure you err on the side of grace when I struggle balancing these two. But sometimes, you know, I fall on the side of too much truth. And please don't miss this. If you and I just give truth, that's all we do. It's truth, 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 truth. We become legalistic. Modern-day Pharisees is what we become if it's all truth with no grace. But please don't miss this. If all we do is dish out grace, it's okay. God loves you. Everything's okay. If we just dish out grace all the time, we're not really loving them if we don't tell the truth. So I'm asking God to help me become more like Jesus in this area and to display both, to, to have a center, a middle ground, truth and grace. Jesus was so good at this. So good. And so how do we apply this stuff to our lives? 
What's something I can take with me to work on Monday morning, right? Let's dig in. So here's our application. How, how this woman received forgiveness from Jesus applies to us all when you and I are convicted of sin. Maybe you sat here and listened to Dave's last series and felt very convicted of sin. I don't know. But let's look at some keys to being forgiven that we can apply to our lives, okay? As far as not forgiving other people, but being forgiven by God. So five things I want to share with you real shortly, okay, on being forgiven. The first thing is this, that we can learn from this woman. The first thing she did was go to where Jesus is. Go to where Jesus is. The first thing we need to do when you and I, listen, feel conviction, is go to where Jesus is. This woman probably felt out of place in the home of a self-righteous Pharisee. I'm sure she did. She, that wasn't her crowd, okay? People may have told her, this isn't your crowd, okay? These are, these are spiritual people in this house. These are good people, church people. You don't want to go there, right? But she went. She went to where Jesus was anyway. That happens at church all the time, right? Feel I ain't going there. That's, that's good people. I'm not good. Psh, come on, right? Come on. Go to where Jesus is, where you're going to meet with him. She went to where he was anyway. When we know that we've sinned, listen, you and I, we need to go to the place where we're most likely to meet Jesus. That's why it's so important to have a daily quiet time where you just spend a few minutes reading your Bible and praying and listening to God. It's so important um, to do things like, like be committed to church on Sunday mornings. Commit to a life group. It's like you got to commit to doing that stuff because you're not going to ever feel like it, you know? And that's the kicker. Listen, please don't miss that either. You're never going to feel like doing these things a lot of times. Some of us didn't feel like getting up this morning and coming to church. But guess what? You're here, right? And God's going to bless you for that. We may not feel like listening to Christian songs or, or podcasts. We may not always feel like reading God's Word. But it's sort of like taking medicine when we're sick. We may not like taking it, but it's what makes us better. So go to where Jesus is. When I was a kid, and I would get a spanking from my mom, uh, she didn't care to spank you, but, but I learned something. I learned a little trick to the game here. I learned, because she had a belt and she would use it, but I learned that if I didn't move away from her, see, a few times I would move away, and then she would just pow, and it hurt. But I learned to stop moving away, and guess what? Move toward and I learned that if I moved toward when she would go, it was <laughs> rather than bam, all the way over here, the extension. Get it? I was a smart kid, smart kid. But I learned that if I would just back into her, it didn't hurt as bad. So I just started bam, bam, you know, just kind of backing into it. And it didn't hurt as bad. It was wonderful. Um, but anyway, that's, I'm just telling you, that's what I did. Because um, she couldn't get as much leverage with a shorter distance. It makes sense, right? But listen, that same truth applies when we have rebelled against God. The further we get from him, the more painful it is. It is. Move closer to him, and it won't hurt so much, okay? Think about the prodigal son. You've all heard the prodigal son in the Bible. He was so hurt by his sin. He was so wounded and desperate in a foreign land that he finally said, I know what I'll do. I'm going back to my father. And it quit hurting. And some of you just need to go back to dad. Jesus invites us to come even in our sin. 
Sometimes we're caught up in sin. We, we want to distance ourselves from God. No, no, come to him even in our sin. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, no, no, come to me. Don't run away. Come to me. All of you who are weary, some of you this morning feel like you're carrying heavy burdens. And he says what? I'll give you rest. That's what you're longing for. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. And guess what? You will find rest for your souls. My yoke, it's easy to bear, he said. The burden that I'm going to give you, it's light. Guys, the burden of sin is heavy. Jesus is light. Second thing is this. Just allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by his incredible love. We're talking about keys to being forgiven. Go to where Jesus is and allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by his incredible love. It's what the band sang this morning when they was leading us in worship. This woman was so overwhelmed by the fact that Jesus loved her in spite of her sins. And guys, when we start to wonder if God loves us, even when we sin, listen, consistently, flagrantly disobey God at times, Think about Romans 5.8 that says this. Please don't miss this verse. Let it saturate you. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. Not when we had our act together. While we were still sinners. When Jesus died on that cross over 2,000 years ago, please don't miss this, all of your sins and my sins were in the future. We hadn't even been born yet. And so when he died, he didn't just die for our past and present sins. He also died for our future sins. That's amazing grace when I think about that. That he died for every sin I committed, the one I committed yesterday, today, and even the ones I'll commit in the future. I remember when Carson was little and he decided to ride his bike at a very high speed down a very steep hill by our driveway, even though I told him, you guys don't ride down that hill. And they all did. And needless to say, he had a pretty bad wreck. And he comes home, and he's bleeding, and he's cut up everywhere and crying. And I took him in the bathroom. And, and as I was doctoring his wounds with peroxide or alcohol, no, I just know I was burning him up. And uh, he kept crying, Daddy, it hurts. Oh, gosh, that hurts. Dad, that hurts. And I told him, I know, buddy, I know it hurts. If I could take the pain away from you, I would. You want to know how much God loves us? He'll take away our hurts, our punishment of eternal separation from him. And one day he's going to take away all of our pain. It's going to happen. Look at the cross and see how much God loves you. Third thing is this. Truly repent of our sin. Truly repent of our sin. Guys, this woman was truly sorry for what she had done. I mean, if she was a prostitute, perform would have, or sorry, perfume would have been one of the tools of the trade. You know what she did with it? She poured it all out on the feet of Jesus. Not a drop, every bit of it on the feet of Jesus. It was as if she was saying, I'm not going to be needing this anymore. I'm done with that lifestyle. Guys, repentance is a missing ingredient in much of today's preaching in churches all across the world. We hear Christian teachers say things like, like, God loves you in spite of your sin. I've said that today in this message. Did you catch it earlier? They say we're all God's children. The church is a hotel for saints. It's not a, or it isn't a hotel for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. Come as you are. Everyone's welcome, right? 
And listen, while all that is true, that's why I said it earlier, because it's true. It's also true that if people don't repent, they will perish. That's true. And listen, repentance involves three words. Don't miss this either. It's important stuff today, okay? The first one is conviction. We are convicted that we're wrong. We're not the victim of our environment or how we were raised. It's my mom and dad's fault. No, we've made bad, sinful choices. We have. I have. It's not my dad's fault or my mom's fault. Conviction. The third word that revolves uh, around repentance is contrition. It's being sorry. And listen, not just because I got caught. It happens all the time. People are sorry when they get caught. But not just because I got caught. We're sorry because we have hurt the heart of God and other people by what we've done. And the third word is change. Change. We change directions and turn from our rebellious ways and we begin walking in obedience to what God says. And listen, it doesn't matter how far that you've walked down the wrong path. Okay, how long? The key is to turn around. Just turn around. Look at 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. It says, For the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience, it leads us away from sin, and it results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which what? Lacks repentance. Here it is, right? Results in spiritual death. Got to repent, okay? Listen, we want people to come in here just as they are. We say that all the time. But we pray that we would not leave here this morning like we came in. Come in just as you are, that's true. But dare not let us leave the same way that we came in. God's heart is so compassionate that, that he can't resist the humble, repentant cry of one of his kids when I think about the story. A.W. Tozer, I read a quote by him this week. It said this, that God loves the bent knee, the broken heart, and the wet eye. I believe that's true. Fourth thing is this. You want to be forgiven by God? Trust in his amazing grace. Sing about all time growing up, right? Trust in God's amazing grace. Jesus said to this woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. I want you to notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, your good works have saved you. If you will do 200 hours of community service, I will save you. Didn't say that, right? No, her forgiveness was given to her instantly by Jesus simply because she put her faith in him. That's it. It really is that simple. In Acts 15, 11, it says, we believe that we are all saved the same way. How? By the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how. Let's say I come to you and I say, you know what? I want you to go with me to the Reds-Dodgers game in Cincinnati. I've already bought you a ticket. You want to go? And you say, uh, yeah, I'd kind of like to go, but I'm going to buy my own ticket. I'm going to buy my own ticket. How much is it? And I say to you, well, I've already bought it. It's just a gift. I just want to give it to you. I just want you to go with me. And on the way there, you hear, man, here's some money for my ticket. And I say, I told you, I already paid for your ticket. It's right here in the console. We're good to go. And then we get up to the stadium. You try to slip some money in my pocket, okay, some cash to pay for the ticket. Eventually, I'm going to get offended because you won't simply just accept the gift. God wants us to stop 
trying to earn our salvation and simply accept his amazing grace as a free gift. The fifth thing is this. Last thing. Live as though you're forgiven. Live as though you're forgiven. Jesus said to this woman, go in peace. He wanted her to have the assurance that she was forgiven. And guys, I doubt if she lived a perfect life from this point forward. I'm sure she still sinned and made mistakes, you know. But from that point on, she was moving in the right direction. And Jesus wanted her to be confident of his promise. Now, now let me add just a word of caution here, okay? Because I know some of you are probably thinking what a lot of people say here, okay? Listen, grace is not to be exploited, This woman was to go in peace, but she was not to go back to her former way of living. There are many people who call themselves Christians who use grace to say, well, go ahead and sin because God's going to forgive you anyway. That's who he is. Let let me let scriptures answer that one. Look at Romans 6, 1 answers this. Paul says, well, then should we just keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Isn't that the question we hear? He answers it, of course not. Come on. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Listen, when you are saved, okay, you are free not just from the penalty of sin but also from the power of sin we don't have to sin anymore some of you think that just you just can't help you just got to sin not anymore not since you started following Jesus and he saved you okay so it goes it goes on to say that we've been crucified with Jesus and we no longer have to be slaves to sin any longer and guys listen God doesn't expect us to be perfect but he does expect us to be sincere to be real He wants us to live with peace. He wants us to be confident that we are forgiven. Okay? He wants us to live in victory. So I don't know if you're a sports junkie like me, but uh, some of my teams sometimes, if I ever watch one of my teams play, I think they're playing in fear because they're the underdog and they're playing really good and you know, when you play in fear, a sports team, it looks like this. They're, They're always on defense. They never attack. They're afraid to make mistakes. Afraid to miss a shot, afraid they're going to offend the coach, and they don't reach their full potential. They get frustrated and they play poorly. Okay? Now contrast that with the team that plays with confident assurance, a humbled confidence, right? They're not afraid of making mistakes. They they reach their full potential. They're going to miss some shots and make some mistakes, but they're going to play with freedom. See the difference? God doesn't want us to live intimidated Christian lives. I wonder if I'm really saved. I wonder if my sins are really forgiven. He wants you to be at peace. 1 John 5, 13. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Please don't miss this word that's underlined on the screen. So that you may know. You may know you have eternal life. Guys, you don't have to sit here this morning and wonder if you do. The Bible says you can know. 
that you have eternal life. God's grace is overwhelming. And even though we're not perfect, guess what? We are forgiven. We don't have to crawl out of church this morning, walk out of here saying, what a great God that we serve. I'm so glad that he loves me and that he forgives me in spite of my sin. Guys, God's grace truly is amazing. It's greater than all of our sins. And as we grow in the faith, we learn that, that our salvation is not dependent upon us being perfect, but it's totally dependent upon God's grace. And no one, no one will ever love you more than Jesus does right here, right now, just as you are. He will forgive you. He will change your life. He will take your weaknesses and he'll make them your strengths and he'll give you the power to live for him. I pray, I pray you would decide to follow him this morning if you don't already as this last song plays.